0: Good morning, folks. I'm Chris Chandler, the anchor of Atlanta's Evening News here on WSB. Cruelly uh, called into work before noon on New Year's Day. I'm here with Marcy Williams, who's from Atlanta's Morning News and who I should not uh, complain because you've been here all morning already. <laughs>
1: But it's my pleasure to be here. I think uh, I got uh, roped in or, or invited, invited to participate because uh, way back in the day, I used to live out in Pasadena, and the Rose Parade used to go by pretty close to my door.
0: We are here now, starting right this minute. Your home of the dogs, home of the Rose Bowl. Counting backwards now. The kickoffs at five. The football pregame starts at one. We are here now. For our sort of pre, pre-game show, we're going to watch the parade go by and tell you about the important parts, set some color, talk to fans, have our own our crew, our reporters scattered out there in Pasadena and Los Angeles. So you are in the right place here for Rose Bowl Day. Our team in Pasadena is led by our WSB sports director, Jay Black. Jay, here in Atlanta, when I came in about an hour ago, 19 degrees and spitting snow. Rub it in.
2: Uh, we'll I have some breaking news. I see a cloud. Uh, cloud. It, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Is, and I've got a pullover on. It's about 49 uh, right now. I'm in the shade. So it is, but it is, man, it is They beautiful.
1: always order up beautiful weather for the for the Rose Bowl, always. Oh, man,
2: Marcy, it is it is. It first time I've ever been out here, and it is spectacular. We've got the San Gabriel Mountain setting the backdrop. I am stunned at the amount of Georgia people I've seen. We've been staying in uh, in downtown Los Angeles, and it's probably been... Eight to one, Georgia fans. Now here at the parade, we've seen a lot more Oklahoma fans show up. But I am, I am stunned with it. As expensive as it is. And as much hassle as you have to go through to get out here, I'm I'm stunned by the amount of Georgia... Well, the word hey.
1: that I, I keep hearing, Jay, uh, that everybody mentions from Georgia that's out there, it's bucket list. It's on their bucket oh, list. Yeah. They want to check this one off. It's a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that they see it. They get to see the parade. They get to see the bowl. Uh, possibly Georgia advance to the national championship. How can you pass it up if you get an opportunity?
0: We've said I mean, it over and over had- again this last couple of weeks. 75 years, Jay, since this before. 75 yeah, it, years.
1: It, it,
2: I never thought I'd be here. I never thought I'd get a chance to cover Georgia in the Rose Bowl because you just don't see it as a possibility. But if you, if you smoke them, smoke them if you got them. And if you got the money, <laughs> come on out here because uh, it's it's been quiet. It's been
1: quite. You, know, you got the charter flight.
3: They could get student tickets to the Rose Bowl game, but the, the problem is how do you get out to Pasadena from Athens? They had this idea, hey, why don't we just rent a van and go to Pasadena? So they got 15 kids together, pooled their money, they
0: rented a van, and just piled in and 36 hours later and several
3: stops later they uh, they wound up in uh, los angeles these kids were great they made stops at every uh state sign to take pictures they stopped at the cadillac ranch
0: they stopped at the grand canyon so they have just had an absolute adventure and they're all still
3: friends 36 hours later as soon as i heard that we were coming i said all right we're going my
4: mom and my brother and i booked plane tickets we got here and then we ended up going. I think we had flew through Fort Lauderdale and then we flew over here. So of course, people are taking the long way around to try to get here.
2: One brothers in Charlotte, another brothers in Washington. They all got flights. And it's funny, even their flights from Charlotte and Dulles in Washington were packed with Georgia fans. My flight to Arizona, I had to go through a, a couple hour layover over in Phoenix. People were calling the dogs as the plane landed. You see on social media everywhere, the same scenario unfolding everywhere in Southern California. So there's probably 50,000 Georgia fans here. Back here at the Tournament of Roses Parade, WSB Sports Director Jay Black. And the group we've come to see is here, the University of Georgia Marching Band. The Redcoats, for the first time ever, are marching now through California, Pasadena, and Old Grove Boulevard. Let's listen.
3: Georgia Fight Song.
2: Members of the Redcoat Marching Band making their way through Pasadena, California, and the 129th tournament
5: news
6: starts
5: now. Good morning. The time is 6 o'clock on this Tuesday, January 2nd. I'm Scott Slade. Welcome to a special Georgia Bulldogs edition of Atlanta's Morning News. we flip flop guys all over the place. Now we're going to go wild dog with Chubb. Direct snap to Nick. He runs to the right.
6: Tries to cut up field. Touchdown! Touchdown! Touchdown!
5: Chubb! The Dogs win an instant classic at in Pasadena, beating Oklahoma 54-48 to in the first overtime game in Rose Bowl history. Now it's Alabama for the national championship. Our team covers Georgia's Big win and big celebration of the Rose Bowl begins in Pasadena with WSB's Jay Black.
2: Scott, after watching the first half, it's no shame to think that Oklahoma's high-powered offense was going to blow Georgia back into the Pacific Ocean. The dogs were down as much as 17, and no team in Rose Bowl history has ever come back from that. But Kirby Smart told us at halftime there were adjustments he could make.
6: Absolutely. We can stop the run first, try to make them one-dimensional.
2: And Georgia did stop the run and almost everything else, holding Oklahoma to only one offensive touchdown the rest of the night while its offense went nuts. You've seen what we did tonight and what we've been doing all season, so whatever questions you want to ask, they've probably already been answered by, by the show that we displayed. That's receiver Terry Godwin. Dogs pile up 527 total yards and 317 on the ground and the highest-scoring Rose Bowl ever, with Sony Michelle scoring four TDs and winning the Offensive MVP Award.
7: we got to celebrate, but we got to get back to work because at the end of the day, we got to finish.
2: Nick Chubb adds in 145 yards as the Dogs hit the Rose Bowl record for most yards per carry with 9.3. In Pasadena, California, Jay Black, WSB. This is
1: WSB's Abby Jessen at the Rose Bowl. There aren't words
2: anymore. I cried, I fell
1: down. I just, there aren't words. Words didn't come easy to many UGA fans.
2: I cannot believe it. I don't know. I'm, I'm speechless.
1: But their loss
4: for words definitely did not diminish the eagerness to play in a national title game.
1: Already
6: got my tickets. Ready to go to Hotline?
1: But to get to Atlanta, you're going to have to pay. Tickets online are already more than $1,700.
5: Yeah, that's not stopping people. Still to come in Atlanta's morning news, how Georgia's matching up with Alabama and the demand for championship tickets that's crashing the
8: internet.
2: The only time Georgia trailed in this championship
8: was when it ended. It still doesn't even feel real. It's going to take a little bit of time for me to get this one.
2: That's tied in Isaac Nauda, who can only watch as backup freshman quarterback Tua Tonga Viola slings his longest pass of the night as Alabama walks out of Atlanta with another title. Anytime
5: someone's wide open like that, that's really a communication uh, issue.
2: That's defensive back Aaron Davis. Georgia lets a 13-point third-quarter lead slip out of its grasp as Alabama's defense holds the Dogs to 41 yards in the final quarter. But Kirby Smart says this is only the beginning.
7: I think everybody can see that Georgia's going to be a force to be reckoned with, and we're not going anywhere.
2: Dogs Dawgs finish the season 13-2. and From the National Championship game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Jay Black, WSB.
4: This is WSB's Veronica Waters at the Georgia Theater in Athens. There was crying.
8: I don't want to talk.
4: And there was cussing. this! Alabama! No. Still, these disappointed UGA fans are telling me they could not be prouder of their Bulldogs. It's pretty
8: upsetting today, but Jake from State Farms, is a freshman. and the next three years, are going to be great. It's up from here.
5: Honestly, I didn't think we were going to make it. The fact that we're the number two team in the country, I'll take it.
9: We came in second in the national championship in Kirby Smart's second year as head coach. So this is the beginning of a dynasty. At the Georgia Theater in Athens, Veronica Waters, WSB.
5: WSB's Clark Howard, honoring Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. One day
8: right now in Alabama, little black boys and black girls
5: will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today.
8: I remember the issues involved with segregation in Atlanta. I remember when the schools were integrated when I was in high school, even though there had been token integrations. The real integration took place when I was 15 years old. I was 12 when Dr. King was assassinated, and I remember how upset I was at the time. It was so wrong, and we needed Dr. King's power and strength to challenge us being set in our ways here. You know, Dr. King really is responsible for the economic rise in the South by lifting the curse off of us of segregation. Discover more at honoringmlk.com.
5: WSB's Scott Slade honoring Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I have some very
9: sad news for all of you.
5: When I got the news that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated in Memphis, I was a ninth grader at Spaulding Jr. High School and remember being frightened and morose at the same time. I was genuinely afraid that Atlanta would burn. And then we started getting reports of how Atlanta Mayor Ivan Allen Jr. was participating in marches across the west side of Atlanta leading the way in a police car for nearly 4,000 black students walking in memory of Dr. King. Along with Atlanta's Police Chief Herbert Jenkins, he visited every black neighborhood in Atlanta during the days between Dr. King's assassination and his funeral. Mayor Allen remembers a call from President Johnson. Ivan, the minute they bring King's body back tomorrow, Atlanta, Georgia is the center of the universe. Do whatever is right and necessary and whatever the city can't pay for will be taken care of. Just do it right. They did. It's incredible how Atlanta remained calm in the days following Dr. King's death. Discover more at honoringmlk.com. WSB is honoring the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr.
8: We as a people will get to the promised land.
5: Today marks 50 years since the death of Dr. King, an event that impacted Atlanta in countless ways. Yet Atlanta, thanks to the leadership of city fathers and even prominent media voices, remained at peace, while other cities in the United States broke into violence and unrest. The King family has asked that bells across the nation toll 39 times at 6.01 Central Time, the time that the shot rang out in Memphis in 1968. 39 times the bell will toll, as King was 39 years old the day he died. WSB radio and television and the Atlanta and Constitution were the news media of record in 1968, immersed in the community, the loss, and then the peaceful vigilance. And we are here today to reflect on all that has happened here since that moment 50 years ago.
4: It's actually very somber right now. There have been people gathering for more than an hour as they waited for this bell ringing here at the crypt where Dr. King and his wife, Coretta Scott King, are laying here. And the eternal flame, as always, is bright and shining here. People have uh, come out, and it's been an emotional day for many people. I actually talked to several people who were alive at the time that Dr. King was killed, and uh, more than one of them had tears. Uh, on their faces today as they told me about the moment that they heard first about the gunshot and then swarmed around their televisions. They said, if you didn't have a TV, you found one that day, that day. And then they waited and waited for news. And when the memory came of the moment that they heard Dr. King had actually been killed, um, they cried. And it's a somber moment. Even with the ringing of the bells, though, you could see smiles on the King family's face. I think they recognize um, that there is sort of a spirit of peacefulness and love, much like that night. There were no riots, as you may know, here in Atlanta. After Dr. King's death, Atlanta was the center of the nonviolent movement. Dr. King's birthplace, and it stayed peaceful there. And it's still a sort of spiritual and, and peaceful place here tonight. You can maybe hear someone singing behind me, and mm. it's a, it's just a very very lovely mood here right now.
0: He would never want to run away from what he felt was his earthly duty and responsibility. And against all of our advice, he insisted on going to Memphis.
9: It seemed that everybody was in shock that somebody had killed him.
8: Is it 50 years?
9: Boy.
5: days in Atlanta, honoring Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Here's WSB's Chris Chandler.
0: This isn't going to be like any other remembrance program you will see or hear on this important day. The events of 50 years ago this week, of course, were of era shaping import, and most of that history happened right here where we live. All of it was covered, heard, experienced here on WSB. Just good old AM 750 back in the day. So for the next hour, a radio time machine. We'll leave the punditry and grand summations to others and instead take you hour by hour using our original broadcasts and the words of the Atlanta Constitution through one of the great, significant, memorable weeks in our city's history. The president had declared Sunday, April 7th, a day of national mourning. In Atlanta, perhaps more than 25,000 people filed past the beer at Sisters Chapel, Spelman College, including the King family.
5: Mrs. Martin Luther King Jr., silent and misty-eyed, took her four children to see their father Sunday. Mrs. King, clad in black, came in alongside the long line of mourners, walked around the bronze casket, paused there for a few moments with her children, and then left slowly. King's father went to the casket twice, crying out and then falling on the glass covering his son's body. Most mourners passed by quietly, often dabbing their eyes with handkerchiefs or wringing their hands. Occasionally one would sob and a few persons shrieked in grief. Some were near collapse and had to be helped out. Many, many children passed by Dr. King's body. A few were carried by their parents and several were lifted up to take one last look at the civil rights leader's face.
8: Violence and that, are, that is really occurring today is not correcting any situation that, that is existing right now.
0: Mourners interviewed on WSB.
7: I hope that what he has tried to do for us to be continued and we'll keep peace and
9: try to live in one, peace with one another.
5: What do you think will happen now? Well, I believe there will be men to carry on the idea that he has but uh, not to follow his footsteps, not like Dr.
0: King. And at a small Baptist church here, the congregation heard the Reverend Ralph Abernethy read a letter to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in a city called Heaven. I want you to see Jesus. Tell him how much we love him. Please do not forget all those who died across Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, and in Chicago and New York, and all the other places that many have died fighting for freedom. Remember your buddy Ralph, I'll be coming along one day. We won't ever let your words die.
7: Kathy Clark's daughter, Emily, was among five Georgia Southern nursing students killed by a
4: distracted truck driver on his phone nearly three years ago. Distraction is preventable, and we should not have gotten that call. No one should ever get that call with something that is so avoidable.
7: The bill would require all drivers put down their phones, although Bluetooth
4: calling would be allowed. It awaits a vote in the full Senate and then has to go back to the House for final passage. Sandra Parrish, WSB.
2: I am honored to be able to sign this hands-free legislation here in this community, the home of Georgia Southern.
3: Governor Deal at the bill signing in Statesboro spoke directly to five families. I know that
2: this legislation does not mend your broken hearts.
3: Remembering the Georgia Southern nursing students killed in April of 2015 by a distracted truck driver in I-16. Deal said those students were on the way to a career that would save lives. This distracted driving law, he says, aims now to do that. Today is the day that we say no more. Edgar Trake, WSB.
7: Remember way back when they started requiring you to buckle up it took some getting used to, and for some, this may too. I'm going to be honest, I didn't really know that this was happening. This man says it's a little easier for him. Um, I actually just bought uh, my new
2: truck here, so it has all the hands-free stuff in it that I didn't used to have, so it shouldn't be an issue
7: anymore. This woman says she's trying. I'm very aware of the law, and I'm doing like a good job of telling like all my friends, like, hey, by the way, you can't be on your phone when you're driving. Hey, by the way,
4: you can't be on your phone. You can't hold your phone. But I am still
8: kind of holding my phone.
7: This woman is just honest. I haven't, but after my first ticket, I may. And this man says ticket or not.
8: My habits have not changed at all. I still use my phone tremendously. It's not going to stop me.
7: Jennifer Griffiths, WSB.
4: Siri, call home. Bluetooth is now standard equipment in most new vehicles. But if your ride is older, WSB consumer expert Clark Howard says you do have choices. The easiest and most common way to add Bluetooth to a vehicle's radio is by using a Bluetooth receiver. You pair your phone to the receiver and stream audio to it. The other option is a dedicated Bluetooth speaker phone.
8: One thing that's really easy if you're in an older car, doesn't have Bluetooth in it, you can go buy one of the things that clips on your visor for about 20 to $30 that Bluetooths to your car. Andy says once you hook it up, it's pretty easy. You just have that device, you Bluetooth it to your phone, and then your directory of people is loaded into it. And you just say, call whoever right now.
4: Or you could just use that time in the car to disconnect from your phone. Sabrina Cupid, WSB. Let's say
10: this happens to you. In the aftermath of a wreck like this, one of the first things investigators will want to know is whether you were on your phone. They'll ask you, and then someone like Will Baggett will ask your phone.
3: I look to see, at this slice of time, was the driver
10: distracted? Or were they on their phone? Baggett is a digital forensic examiner. He works for a company called R.W. Grant Consulting. And even if you lie and try to delete your call history and your texts... Baggett says your phone will more than likely give you away. If you delete data when you're being pulled over,
0: it's recoverable.
10: That's a bottom line. The ability to delete information to the degree law enforcement or forensic investigators like Baggett can't find it, well, he says that's just not available to the average cell phone user. What happens if you try to delete the data and get caught? Baggett says that's an area of Georgia law still evolving. His advice, don't try it. In Midtown Atlanta, Pete Combs, WSB.
5: Atlantis News starts- now, good morning. The time is 5 o'clock. It's Monday, July 2nd. I'm Scott Slade. Welcome to Atlanta's Morning News. WSB's top local story, the first Monday commute where you must keep your hands off your phone. Georgia's hands-free law going to effect on Sunday after months of hard work. Countless families lobbying for change after losing loved ones to drivers distracted by their phones and other electronics. WSB's Michelle Wright begins her in-depth team coverage with a reaction for the man who pushed the bill through the state legislature.
7: Scott, so now that months of hard work have come to fruition and Georgia's... Georgia's... Georgia's hands-free legislation is law. I asked the bill's sponsor how he feels.
5: This is a
6: fantastic day. It's a great day for Georgia public safety.
7: Representative John Carson says he started working on this back in the fall of last year. And at first, not everybody was on board. No, there
2: was definitely some uh, naysayers along the way, both inside the state capitol
8: and outside.
7: However, now he says most people are on board as they see how it can help keep Georgians safe. WSB's Veronica Waters continues our in-depth team coverage with the story of a Coweta County mom who also farted hard to see this bill passed in honor of her son.
4: It's been three years since a 17-year-old distracted driver killed 14-year-old Parker Madliak. Parker's mom, Sherry, lobbied for Georgia's hands-free law in hopes of sparing others the same grief. It's an awful feeling to know that you're never gonna see your child again. And it's especially awful to know that it was something this ridiculous. It's just a text. Sherry Madliak believes with time and enough tickets written, being hands-free with our cell phones will be as routine as buckling up. We're not there yet, but I'm hoping it's coming. The more you got to pay, the less you're going to do something. Veronica Waters, WSB.
5: WSB's Doug Turbul and Smiley Barbara McKay will lead a Facebook Live Q&A with Hands-Free Georgia Act author Representative John Carson at noon. Just go to the WSB Radio Facebook page. You can ask your questions there.
9: No one knows why I lost my voice in 2016. I got sick on a vacation with my family and it just started to go away. Doctors say Jamie has a rare neurological disorder with an unknown solution. But he's talking again with a little help from technology. A Scottish company using his old recordings built a computer synthesized voice. Now he types and presses play. The difficult part is not about radio. It is about not being able to talk to my family, my wife, my kids, my dad, my friends. That's been the worst part by far. hopes that one day he will be back with his original voice Condes presley wsb
5: i'm just tickled this morning at jamie dupree 2.0 we'll take jamie and his expertise anyway we can get him but it, but it's
9: it's so thrilling uh, to hear from him again this morning for whatever reason my voice hasn't come back the doctors say it is a neurological disorder that really does not have any answers or any concrete treatment I want to thank everyone who has sent words of encouragement over the past two years. I wish that my regular voice was back, but this is what I sound like right now. I am able to get out a little. So what it means is this. My computer-generated synthesized voice is the best option I have to get back on the radio, but I would certainly like my old voice to return some way, somehow. We'll keep praying for that.
2: For the seventh time in the last nine postseason series, It's someone else celebrating a clincher on the Braves' mound. Center fielder Ender Enciarte. I
5: didn't
0: want to go home. I wasn't ready to pack.
5: We left a lot of opportunities out there. That's the frustrating part. That's
2: Freddie Freeman as the Braves are sunk by the same nagging issues.
3: Too many walks and scored, what, eight runs in four games?
2: Manager Brian Snitker, the Dodgers knock in five in the sixth and seventh to advance to face Milwaukee in the NLCS while Atlanta waits for spring training.
3: I'm WSB's Edgar Traguets. That was the eruption in SunTrust Park after Kurt Suzuki's two-run single to give the Braves a lead. It's awesome to hear the Atlanta crowd get loud like that. Other chances for the Braves fans to cheer did not turn out well.
2: It's hard to watch after Manny Machado at
4: that home run.
3: And now the season ends.
1: It was very tough. I hate seeing the, it, it end this way, you know, but I'm excited for the future.
3: At SunTrust Park, Edgar Traig gets WSB.
0: We also want to go to WSB's Pete Combs, who is also in Panama City, Florida.
6: As the... Situations deteriorated here. The winds have picked up to a remarkable degree, and the destruction has also been remarkable. Now, the rain is so heavy and is blowing so hard, it's very hard to see more than a couple of hundred yards away. But in that couple of hundred yards, what I can see is the building with the roof now shearing off. A sign that has been completely blown through. The plastic on both sides is gone. A billboard that used to have a big billboard in the middle of it is now nothing more than a twisted uh, frame that's kind of flapping in the wind. And most striking, across the street from where I am right now, I can see a grove of pine trees. They were all blowing in one direction a few moments ago. Now they're blowing all over the place, bending as much as 40 degrees into this wind, which is just as you can hear. Canceling out my microphone, it is remarkable. The sound of the wind in the wires and as it moves around the building will haunt you for a long, long time. It's a low moan that sounds so painful and so remarkably sad. It is a haunting sound and it's one that I won't forget.
10: In the midst of a bountiful holiday season, the people of Southwest Georgia and the Florida Panhandle are struggling.
2: We're all hurting and we need as much divine guidance and guidance from the government's we can get.
10: They're disoriented by the breathtaking extent of Hurricane Michael's destruction. A lot of landmarks are just gone and it's surreal. It's amazing how emotional you feel. While we celebrate the holidays with friends and family, hurricane survivors say, feel right now that we've been forgotten. For these people of Southwest Georgia and the Florida Panhandle, this will be a blue tarp Christmas. This is a special report from News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I'm Pete Combs. It's been decades since this part of Florida, often called the Forgotten Coast, has felt the wrath of a powerful hurricane. Trees had grown tall, Residents had grown complacent, some felt invincible, but for many, like Alonzo Williams of Panama City, that didn't last long after the worst of Hurricane Michael began to come ashore. Did you stay here for the storm? Yeah, I wish I hadn't. I've been here all my life, and this house right here, I said, well, it'll made it through a bunch of storms already, and I I said, well, it'll probably last, but I ain't never seen nothing like this. What, What was it like being in the house? Scary, real, real, real scary. With memories like that still vivid whenever she closes her eyes, Belinda Martin says she doesn't get much sleep. Her husband, Ben, says at one point they just had to go.
8: We had to leave after a week. so
7: We were here seven days afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we had to leave. What made you have to leave? Me.
10: Why? She started having anxiety attacks, chest pains and passing out.
5: So I said, well,
7: we're going to go. I'm I'm just in shock that, you know, it's just like, I just can't believe this happened to my city.
10: From here, flying in a Coast Guard helicopter above the storm-ravaged towns of Panama City, Callaway, Springfield, and Millville, the damage is breathtaking. Uh, So we're starting to come into the area of Mexico Beach here. Mexico Beach, ground zero as Michael made landfall. This crew from Detroit is stunned. Coast Guard Aviation Maintenance Technician Brittany McDaniel.
4: Just to see this, the, the devastation on the, the land from up here is, is definitely heart-wrenching. I've never seen a hurricane in person before, so it's definitely uh, quite different to see it in person versus
9: like you know news footage on, on TV.
4: To have the, the smells hit you in the
9: face when you're flying over it and stuff like that, it's rough. But I'm glad that we're here and able to help.
10: Lieutenant Jake Nome is the pilot of this Coast Guard HH-65 Dolphin helicopter. The full impact of this is really going to take a while to sink in, though. To be honest with you, I mean, today we're all we're all just kind of just just in shock, responding to uh, responding to it. You know, doing our best to uh, best to just provide the assistance that we can. I know for me, it's going to take a few days for for really this to, to sink in of the magnitude of it. Now, almost three months later. It's hard to tell that work crews have removed more than 16 million cubic yards of debris from Florida and Georgia. There's still such a long way to go. But perhaps three-year-old Jeremiah All says it best when he lifts his little hand and cups his mother's cheek.
8: We don't to be okay,
4: Mommy. He said we were going to be okay, Mommy. He reassured us.
6: and AM 750. WSB bringing you real-time results of the 2018 midterm elections in Georgia and throughout the
3: nation. With continuing team
0: coverage and in-depth analysis from reporters in Georgia, Washington, and across the country. Here's WSB's Chris Chandler. And good evening again. We have heard it a million times by now. Sean Hannity. The most important midterm election in our life. Former President Obama.
6: This November's elections are more important than any I can remember in my lifetime, and that includes when I was on the ballot.
0: President Trump in Macon just last weekend. This
6: is one of
2: the most important elections of our lifetime.
0: And we are here to cover it for you tonight in the studio with me right now, Eric Von Hessler, talking about classing up the joint. Monica Pearson is here with us right now. Bill Crane, our political analyst. We hear this, guys, every time the polls open. It's the most important ever. Monica, let's start with you. Does this feel different?
1: It feels different because you already had 2 million people vote before today. Yes, that's very different. And people are standing in line even right now. They got in line at 7 o'clock. They can stay there until they vote. So, yes, that's what's different.
0: In fact, there's some breaking news uh, on that score. Eric Erickson mentioned this just at the end of his show. There's been a court order just in the last few minutes uh, that involves three precincts in Gwinnett County. One of them in particular, the Anderson-Lissey Precinct, will be open until 9. 925 tonight because of some problems there. Uh, Number 122 will be open until 730. And precinct number one, the Harbin's precinct, will be open uh, until 715 or until everybody in line there uh, has been uh, allowed to cast their votes. Turnout today, uh, uh, anecdote, not data, as we hear Bill Crane. Crazy. I have literally, in the time I've lived here, never seen so many people at my polling place this morning after that early voting, and even in the pouring rain, and I've heard it from all over today.
1: As Monica referenced, we had a 33% turnout before we opened the polls today. So with another 1.5 to 2 million vote, if we have a 66% turnout, which is typical for a presidential election, that'll be 4 million of the 6.7 million registered voters. So we will set a record for the number of registered voters, the number of ballots cast in a midterm, the number of ballots cast in advance of Election Day, which I think may actually exceed those cast on the Election Day, and what's going to keep us here until Wednesday or Thursday, a record number of absentee and provisional ballots, which are counted by hand, and they're all on paper.
4: The Classic Center is starting to fill up with temp supporters. This one lives here at Athens and is a longtime friend. I think that there's been a lot of misinformation put out there, and so what it's going to come down to is if people really know the truth about who he is and what he stands for,
3: and
4: he will be... What Georgia needs. Now, all day Kemp's campaign has said turnout is the key, and it reached presidential turnout in some Republican leaning counties in the metro. It's still early. But as you said, but 2% of precincts reporting can't leave candidly
6: over a room. I think I told you earlier, I've never seen a, huge, a bigger uh, press contingent for a state race, and that's in four decades of being a reporter. Uh, it is just remarkable. The major networks are here, Fox, CNN, NBC, MSNBC, CBS, ABC. Of course, we're here. That's a big deal. And I, I just, uh, the excitement about uh, this race is, is pretty palpable, at least in this room. Now, as far as people who are not media... They're starting to stream in as well. And I have to tell you, it's a pretty quiet crowd at this point. Because with uh, just a, a small percentage of the votes in, uh, about 17%, uh, we're looking at a 59 to, basically 59
0: to 40% uh, margin with Kemp in the lead. Eric Von Hessler, we heard Sean Hannity a few minutes ago. Uh, I played a clip of him. He's, every day. He would say, this is the most important midterm election of your lifetime. He stopped saying it about two weeks ago. Yeah. There's a two part answer to this question and a correct answer. Why did he stop saying it? Uh perhaps he thought that the his side was going to lose. That's part A, yes. And part B. Part B would be, I don't know. Part B so that he can say tomorrow it's not really that big a deal after
2: <laughs> <all>. <laughs> Well Eric von Hessler says yes. this is not the most important election of your lifetime. If you look at it, since Dwight Eisenhower, every election has been sold as the
3: most important election of your lifetime. Chris Chandler Every election is important. (laughs) They're all important, and there's none that's the most important in your lifetime. It's just important to vote and exercise
0: your right to vote. That's very interesting. What I was getting at, however... I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No. You were quizzing me. Yes, I'm back. Tomorrow we're going to hear... You're going to turn on... If the Republicans uh, lose the House tonight, tomorrow we're going to turn on CNN. And it's going to be insufferable. Trumpism defeated. We're going to turn on Hannity tomorrow afternoon and it's going to be insufferable. Ah, it's no big deal. I never said anything like that. The question is, and let's go around the horn. Eric, you first. Which is it? Big well, deal? Trumpism defeated? Not a big deal? It's a little bit of both, but I, th- I subscribe
2: to the idea that it actually helps Trump to have a Democrat House for the next two years. Villain. Exactly. Yeah. Can, for he, for a change, you can run against Democrats in the House and
3: vilify Democrats rather than Republicans.
1: It makes a lot more sense to attack Nancy Pelosi or whomever the Democrats would than Paul Ryan. Yeah. And so I, I agree with Eric. I think he's he's looked for someone to turn into his Disney villain... The entire time he's been in office. And if the House goes to Democratic control, he's got one. She'll be, Pelosi will be
4: Cruella DeVille.
1: Yeah.
9: Race for Congress continues to be indications of the split decision that we thought was possible. Republicans seem like they are going to hold on to control of the U.S. Senate at this hour, though there are still a lot of votes to count. The GOP has already defeated a Democratic senator in Indiana and may do the same in Florida, though that race is very close. In the House, it is a different story as Democrats are slowly picking their way through a number of GOP seats in a variety of states. At this point they don't have that many official wins, but they are poised to pick up a number of seats in Pennsylvania, Illinois, New Jersey, Kansas and other states, and we haven't even started to see returns from out west or in California. Once again I will stress Chris that there are a lot of votes to count and we'll certainly be watching the figures from the two U.S. House races in the Atlanta suburbs involving incumbent Republicans Karen Handel and Rob Woodall. And we have some numbers now
0: in both of those races. Let's check in on those because, as you heard Eric Erickson telling us just a few minutes ago, and Jim Galloway from the AJC, these numbers that we have seen so far, even though they are not near complete, are both interesting and potentially alarming for the Republicans. Let's have team coverage of that now, starting with WSB's Edgar Traykitz in the News Center.
3: Well, Chris, indeed, the battle between Karen Handel and political newbie Lucy McBath in the sixth has indeed been tight through the evening. Late numbers here right now, top of this hour, the edge. The Handel ahead of McBath nearly fifty-two percent to roughly forty-eight. The sixth congressional encompassing parts of the cab, Fulton and Cobb. And when you look inside these returns, McBath does have the lead into Cab right now, but not by terribly much. Almost fifty-four to forty-seven percent. Fulton County a narrow edge there to handle and in Cobb County a big lead for handle there again at the moment handle the 52 to 48 lead overall on McBath in the 6th Congressional. Now, over to what's happening in the 7th. Latest from WSB's Jennifer Griffiths.
7: Right. In the race for the 7th District, Carolyn Bordeaux is leading Republican Rob Woodall 51.4 to 49%. Now, this district has seen some major demographic shifts before, mostly conservative. Now, Gwinnett County more Democratic and that is the county in which Bordeaux is leading. And in Forsyth County where it tends to be more conservative, that is where Woodall is leading there. But again, still a very tight race. Carolyn Bordeaux At 51.4% to Rob Woodall's 49%. Reporting live, Jennifer Griffiths, WSB.
0: And in the governor's race to the moment, 56% of the precincts reporting in now Kemp over Abrams by a margin of 55 to
2: 44%. Atlanta United fans didn't have to wait long for this. But for anybody who's lived here and rooted for anybody, it's been a long wait. It's unreal. The curse is broken. We can't explain it. It's unbelievable. It wasn't easy, but we made it happen. It wasn't like the other sports. There was no choke at all. Atlanta United was the favorite and acted like it, dominating the play and getting goals from MVP Joseph Martinez and wingback Franco Escobar.
9: To be here when we win, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Never seen crowd hype like this.
2: It's just incredible. It's an MLS record crowd of more than 73,000, and team captain Michael Parker's heard them all.
3: Just amazing to play in front of. They were so loud, so supportive. My ears are ringing. Is that a good
9: description?
2: <laughs> Midfielder Julian Gressel, and now there's a parade from Peachtree Street to the stadium at 10 Monday morning. From the Benz, Jay Black, WSB.
6: Atlantis News.
0: It is 5 o'clock. Good afternoon. I'm Chris Chandler, live from the WSB 24-Hour News Center. We've lost
6: everything, people. Okay.
0: We've lost everything, he says. Michael slams the panhandle at near Cat 5 strength today. And the first damage reports... Our grip In Georgia, Governor Deal expands the state of emergency with tens of thousands of people already without power. First here to WSB's Pete Combs who was in Panama City about 2 o'clock this afternoon as the storm roared ashore.
6: Trees that I told you a little while ago were bending at a 45 degree angle to the wind. Now they're bending the other way and many of them have now snapped. Signs have been torn up. Billboards have been completely destroyed. The frames now just flapping in the wind like little insignificant bits of metal. Roofs have been torn off and the water continues to rise in parts of Panama City Beach, not very far from here as this storm continues to pass by fury
0: unabated. Michael came ashore with 155 mile an hour winds, the strongest storm to hit the continental 48 states in 26 years. We'll have more in a moment. 74 degrees on Peachtree Street at 501. Now much of south into central Georgia is under anything from a tropical storm watch to a hurricane warning. The only advisory which stretches into the metro area is a tornado watch, which is in effect for Barrow, Henry, Newton, Rockdale, and Walton counties until 2 o'clock tomorrow morning. WSB meteorologist Kirk Mellish has the Metro Michael outlook coming up shortly. Triple team traffic, though, then back to our Michael coverage. Here's Doug Turnbull.
9: Anywhere it's raining,
3: add 30 to 50 percent to your trip time as you get home, and that's just the facts, and that's without any new wrecks like we have in the left lane now on the West Freeway, 20 westbound west of 285. That's jamming things up out of West Atlanta, but you stay slow in that wet pavement, all the way to Douglasville, I-20 slow, eastbound from downtown Atlanta out past Bournemouth Avenue, in both directions into Cab between 285 and Wesley Chapel. Heavier than normal on the wet pavement on the south side. Crashes have just cleared up both 75 and 85 south below the perimeter, and now that it's raining downtown, I don't need to say where all the delays are, just know that the connector is now officially worse than normal. Smilo, Mark McKay, Coolring, every your traffic center.
0: Seeing speed limit uh, below the speed limit on that west side perimeter on the wet pavement, 285 northbound, the interloop leaving College Park up to the west, freeway, I-20, WSB Jam Cam in Cab County. Doraville shows crash now on the shoulder. Travel lanes open, but they had the right lane blocked to remove debris. 285 eastbound near Buford Highway. Interloop delays out of Sandy Springs begin at Georgia 400. Break free past Highway 78. Out of loop, Alex Williams.
1: 285 westbound looking slow leaving Ashford Dunwoody past Roswell Road. You hit the brakes again approaching I-75. Southbound delays about over a half hour to get down to the West Freeway. Triple team traffic, WSB. In Panama
0: City today, ABC's David Muir and his crew had a scare. Parts of their
1: hotel collapsed.
3: Parts of the building that cement that's come off the side of the building. I don't want people to be alarmed by that fire alarm. It's simply a signal that the power has gone out inside the hotel where so many of the families here in this community have come to seek shelter as we report here too. I just want you to hear the wind right outside this doorway. Just, Just take a listen to this. landfall one mile per hour less than a Category 5 hurricane.
0: Now that was earlier. We haven't had much in the way of real damage reports except pictures and video. They, however, are really nearly alarming here by 5 o'clock. The amount of damage that's visible immediately, even before any relief crews have gotten into the area. Breaking news first. First, this is WSB 24-hour continuing news. Into Georgia, now south of the metro. Major storm preps this hour. Channel 2 Action News reporter Taisha Fernandez is in Henry County, where the Georgia National Fair is supposed to be.
1: This Georgia National Fair is cancelled for the day, and if you know anything about this huge fair, probably the biggest one in Georgia, this place would be packed right now if it wasn't for Hurricane Michael. They had to shut down the whole thing for the day.
0: They're expecting the worst starting about midnight. They 6 o'clock curfew going into effect further south in Thomasville. Numbers just in. About 30,000 Georgia customers without electricity as of this hour. That counts both Georgia Power and the EMCs. Governor Deal's Authorized activation of 1,500 Georgia National Guard troops. They'll be ready to move into affected areas as soon as they're needed. Earlier today,
7: IWSB Sandra Parrish, with Hurricane Michael moving further north and northeast, Governor Nathan Deal has expanded Georgia's state of emergency. We
2: have added about 16 additional counties, which brings our total number of counties up to 108.
7: G. Hummer Bryson says more than a dozen local counties have already declared disasters on their own. The state has opened two shelters, one in Columbus and the the other in Macon, and more than 1,200 evacuees are sheltering in state parks. Sandra Parrish, WSB.
9: Breaking news first. First, this is WSB 24-hour continuing news. I'm Jamie Dupree in Washington, declaring that the feds are ready to help. Some are saying it's one of the biggest storms ever to hit our country. President Trump could only watch as Michael washed ashore. And we're very well prepared for it. massive amounts of food. And Meanwhile, Mr. Trump will go ahead with a campaign rally tonight in Pennsylvania. Well, I hear they have thousands of people lined up and so we are in a little bit of a quagmire. Last month, the president scrapped two rallies to deal with Hurricane Florence. For
0: Around the Clock, live in-depth team coverage of Hurricane Michael, stay with us here, WSB Radio, also WSB Radio.com and the WSB Radio app. The other headlines this afternoon, police say they're charged the limo company operator with criminally negligent homicide there in upstate New York after that crash this week that killed 20 people. And the Dow today suffering its Worst day in eight months. Apparently, worries about interest rates. The WSB Market Watch brought to you by RBM of Atlanta. Mercedes Benz, Sandy Spring, they down, down 832 points, about 3%, 25,599 the close. And the NASDAQ down 315 points, a loss of just more than 4%, 74,22. WSB News Time 505. WSB News Time 508. Doug Turnbull.
3: Looks like it's starting to rain a little bit on 85 northbound. The trip time up over 20 minutes. 285 to 316. Crews had to block and reopen. 85 north above Jimmy Carter to move Trouble off to the
0: right. Smile Mark McKay. Cool Rick, Here your traffic center. What pavement now? Starting to encroach into Sandy Springs. Dunwoody, 400 northbound. Slow Glenridge connector up past the North Springs. MARTA Station seeing southbound delays in the area. Second slow zone in Forsyth County leaving Alpharetta. Approaching Peachtree Parkway, Highway 141. Mike Shields, northwest.
2: Seeing wet pavement delays inside the perimeter, 75 north and South Elm between Midtown and 285. Then ways of the volume 75 North Elm from South Merritt Parkway up to Chastain Road. 575 North Elm volume filled in from Barrett Parkway through the Bell's Ferry Curve. Triple team traffic, WSB.
0: Within last most accurate and forecast for tonight. Periods of rain likely. Isolated thunder shower, windy at times. Low around 71. Tomorrow, morning showers diminishing to a 30% chance late afternoon and evening. Gusty wind, high 78. Friday, sunshine, less humid, high 73. Saturday, sunshine, high 73, low 55. 74 degrees at 509. I'm Chris Chandler, News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Depend on that.